In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review, for the week ending June the 24th, it was announced that an agreement had been reached on legislation from Senate Ag Committee Chairman Pat Roberts and Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow that would set a national standard for the labeling of foods containing genetically modified ingredients. Tyron Spearman has more. From Washington, Senate Ag Committee Chairman Pat Roberts and Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow of Michigan said they have a new bill that would set a national standard for labeling of foods containing genetically modified ingredients, or GMO. It has been a major issue in Washington and around the world. This package has been a long time coming, according to Ron Moore, Vice President of the American Soybean Association. He said soybean farmers absolutely support this bill, and we call on the Senate to pass it as soon as possible. The bill will establish a national standard of mandatory disclosure through a variety of options, including a quick response or QR codes, 800 numbers, websites, and own pack labeling, such that companies would be able to select the method of disclosure that works best for them. By setting a national mandatory standard, the bill would preempt state labeling laws and in doing so prevent a patchwork of differing standards between the various states. So it's a major move for food products and for GMOs. The legislation is a product of a full year of discussions and negotiations between Democrats and Republicans, according to ASA. Moore said we get nothing from a ceremonial effect. What we need is a piece of legislation that can pass. Pamela Bailey, president and CEO of the Grocery Manufacturers Association, and Charles F. Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, said they are supporting this legislation. They believe the bipartisan Senate agreement is welcome news for farmers, consumers, and food manufacturers across the U.S. This solution increases consumer access to additional product information without stigmatizing a safe, proven technology that is relied on by American farmers. They say that Vermont's GMO's own package labeling mandate is set to take effect July 1st. We remain confident that today's Senate agreement, a national solution, can be passed into law by Congress before the negative impacts of this Vermont law. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Well, all week long, our nation has been celebrating National Pollinator Week. Kathy Isom tells us about the week-long event celebrating bees and other pollinators. A time to raise awareness about the importance of animals and critters in sharing pollen between plants. Pollinators are critical for our nation's farmers. American Farm Bureau's Paul Schlegel says pollinators are responsible for between 15 and $20 billion of agriculture produce throughout the year. Crops like strawberries and apples and cherries and others depend on pollination for farmers to be able to get them to the market. Pollinator Week is a way of educating the public on how many pollinators there are. It's not just honeybees. It can be butterflies and birds and other things. He says there are many ways farmers and beekeepers can work together to help protect the health of honeybees. We have a number of states working on state-managed pollinator plans, and we encourage our members to participate actively in those efforts because it's a way of beekeeping and farmers to establish an ongoing dialogue. Also announced this week, the Bear Corporation's Bee Care Program engaged as a premier partner of the Wildlife Society. The groups will work together toward the goal of planting 25 million pollinator attractant wildflower seeds in the fall as part of the social media initiative hashtag Bee. Last year, just over a quarter million people joined together to help Feed a Bee planting their own gardens, ordering Fida Bee wildflower seeds, and participating in partner activities across the country. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And speaking of National Pollinator Week, which continues, by the way, through Sunday, Agnet Media's Corinne LaRue has a story about how a merger between two bee groups will mean more ease for researchers and more funding for projects within the industry. 
The merger between the National Honey Board and Project APIS-M is a merge of their research efforts. When I spoke to Danielle Downey, she explained the merger to us. APIS-M is in a great position to work between growers and to look for these research projects. And by taking a partnership role with the National Honey Board funding, we can actually streamline that process quite a bit. So instead of a researcher sending proposals to two places now for funding, they can send it to one. And then having a greater amount of funding allows allows us also to fund larger projects for longer periods of time. So this is really a win-win for everybody in the industry. Project APIS-M works hard to find practical solutions that help bees and beekeepers to stay in business for agriculture. For Agnet Media, I'm Corinne LaRue. In other news, cotton producers are being reminded that sign-up is underway for the new Cotton Gin and Cost Share Program. National Cotton Council President and CEO Dr. Gary Adams has more information about the program. USDA announced a one-time $300 million program that is now available to cotton producers, and it's based off the 2015 planted acreage, and it will provide cost-share assistance to those producers based on a percentage of their ginning cost. So this is an assistance package that we had discussed with USDA and that we had worked toward. And we certainly appreciate Secretary Vilsack and USDA developing the program, and we think it will be a significant benefit to producers who have continued to struggle from sustained low prices and high production costs. The program is based off of ginning costs because it will help in the marketing assistance, and growers have to gin cotton to be able to market it. So that's the basis for the program, but we do believe it will be some much-needed assistance. Now, letters were sent from the Farm Service Agency to producers who qualify. Producers will need to go in and sign up for the program by verifying what their planted acres, and that includes both planted acres and failed acres for the 2015 crop. That needs to occur. That sign-up period is through August 5th, so a relatively tight window, and there will not be an extension of that time period. And Dr. Adams says, according to the program, payment rates are regional. Producers will need to look and see what their payment rate is, but it essentially be the regional payment rate times the number of acres that were certified for the 2015 crop will determine the payments that a producer is eligible for. Producers also need to be aware with this program that it, it is subject to the same AGI means test as other programs in the 2014 Farm Bill, and this program also comes with a separate $40,000 per person or legal entity payment limit. So that's a couple of other things to be aware of. But again, this program benefits should be delivered as we move through the summer. It's going to be very important given the current financial conditions, and the National Cotton Council will be very active in reminding producers about the sign-up period and and encouraging them to make sure they get to their local office and, and sign up. With this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, Tom Neville with Georgia Grown speaks on the exciting activities you can participate in this upcoming Saturday at the 2016 Georgia Grown Showcase near Savannah, Georgia. The Georgia Grown Showcase is a yearly event that we do. We give our members an opportunity to come in and present their product to the community, and it also gives us an opportunity to expose the Georgia Grown brand. One interesting part of the showcase is we're going to have a celebrity chef stage. We'll have about four different chefs there throughout the day. We're going to have our own Georgia Grown Executive Chef, Holly Shute, there. We're also going to have Emmy Award winner, Laura Lynn Carter. The Department of Agriculture is extremely excited to be partnered with Hanger Outlet and the Salt Table in presenting the 2016 Georgia Grown Showcase. This year's showcase will take place Saturday, June 25th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the new Tanger Outlet Mall in Pooler, Georgia. For more information, visit georgiagrown.com. This is Nathan Wilson reminding you that if 
it's not local, it's not Georgia grown. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Griner talks about farm trend changes that are expected. Well, USDA has already predicted that net farm income will be down this year. That was not unexpected. Any farmer who has been in business more than five years knows there are good years and bad years. The objective is to hold on to enough of the good years to carry you through the slack years. It's obvious to any grain farmer that 10 to $12 soybeans and 6 to $7 corn are not in the financial picture in 2016. But the statistical facts are not as many who enjoy those high prices in the past two or three years were able to hold on to as much as some of the good years gone by. But there's a reason. Knowing how to recover is one of the first lessons learned by a farmer. By the end of this year, anything could change. So, agriculture is on solid financial ground, certainly. Wait till next year. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.